Hey ghouls, happy hump day, and welcome to Ghoul Friends Podcast, brought to you by your best ghoul friends, Lucy and Lindsay. Grab your blankets, snacks, and good vibes for tonight's sleepover, where the category is always horrifically spooky. If you want to keep up with us on the socials, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GhoulFriendPod on Twitter and GhoulFriends underscore podcast on Instagram. You can also listen to us on all podcasting platforms where we release new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to follow me on my personal socials, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Lulu underscore Pew. And I'm at Hi It's Lindsay underscore on all social media. Now let's get spooky. Hey ghouls and welcome back to Ghoul Friends Podcast, the first episode of 2023. Um, it feels really weird to be recording again uh, as always I'm joined by my best school Lindsay how are you doing and I know it's like January 29th but happy new year <laughs> <laughs> know, happy new year happy new year everyone who's listening uh, I, it's bloody weird to be back it's been about like six weeks since I last recorded uh, yeah but it's good to be back as well like we've kind of we've got a really good lineup of films that me and Lucy are just going to be looking at um in February you know we put out a call out for guests very recently I've got so 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 many really interesting people who want to come on so you know it's exciting times of girlfriends 2023. It very much is and the format is changing a little bit as well so do you want to speak about that Lindsay because we're, we're changing things up aren't we? Yeah we're just gonna cut we're gonna cut down to one film a week um Two films, two films a week has been so much fun, and we've had so many people bring so many interesting films to us. But it's a lot. It's a lot it for girls every week to do. So we're going to cut down to one film a week. Still the same spooky sleepover fun, but we're just going to talk through one film rather than two. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we've got some exciting plans of our own coming up this year. Me and Lindsay are going to be going to Glasgow Film Fest in March. So buzzing for that to see all the spooky movies. Oh, I can't wait. The lineup looks so good as well. And it's just, it, it sounds like it's going to be like two dream days for me of just like sitting in the cinema all fucking day. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, on the note of cinema, our first theme for 2023 and for this episode is first cinema outing of the year. So, this was my choice. And I said, you know, when we were looking at what we wanted to start off the year with, I was like, it needs to be Megan. Like, I hadn't seen Megan at that point, but I was like, I really want to fucking see Megan. And I just want to talk about it because it's been all over the internet the past couple months. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place feel like home. Just wish I could see them again. I'm not equipped to handle this. I don't even take care of my own plants. I have this project at work. Do you want to see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Okay. Megan, your goal is to protect Katie from harm, both physical and emotional. Is that a doll? Model 3 generative. Android. Megan, for short. I can't believe you made this. I love it. Wanna hang out, yeah, sounds like fun. Great job. It's nice to have a friend. It's honestly like she's part of the family now. They could be building emotional connections that are too hard to untangle. She's the happiest she's been since her parents died. Eat the toppings, Katie. Research shows if you force a child to eat vegetables, they'll be less likely to choose those foods as adults. Is that so? Yes. Experts say- Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. Does she talk? Make her say something. Stop! Don't! Megan! You should probably run. Megan, she pushed Brandon onto the road. I won't let anything harm you. Megan, turn off. Recalibrating response model. 
What did you think when I said this? I mean, it gave you a chance to go out to the cinema. Did you go with your sister? Yeah, like I was, I was a bit nervous when you first said it, just because um, I've said a few times on the podcast, I don't have actually have a local cinema, and I also don't drive. So whenever I want to go to the cinema, I kind of have to prod my sister and be like, "Hey, there's this film at the cinema. Do you want to see it?" And kind of hope that she'll um, drive us there and we go and watch it. And luckily, she thought the trailer for Megan looked good, so got to go and see it at the cinema. We bought a ton of snacks and had a great fucking time. I'm so glad. And actually, I'm really invested now. What did she think of it? I wish we had gone to like a busier screening because we were both laughing, but we saw it like quite late on. Um, and there was like five of us in the cinema, so I don't think we could give it the full like belly laugh that we wanted to, but we were both just looking at each other giggling um, at all the points that made us laugh. So, yeah. Um, although we both had the same criticism but I'll save that for a bit later oh I'm excited to hear that (laughs) like yeah overall I really I really really enjoyed it um like I knew it was going to be camping like Mimi I mean that fucking trailer but the dance like you know that every gay is going to be dressed as Megan for Halloween this year (laughs) but like there was some bits in it and we'll get on to it like the the song the sing song like I was absolutely dying like oh it was so good I just can't wait to talk about this (laughs) but we'll start off with our usual talking about um some of the facts and figures of the movie so as we mentioned we're going to be talking about Megan so this was released in 2023 it was released this month I think it was like two weeks ago so it is very fresh I think this is like the only episode we've done where we're talking about a movie that we've gone to the cinema to see so recently like it's the first time we've done that um, so the IMBD plot for this is as follows, and as always, they're very short. A robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. How many times can you say life in one sentence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was directed by Gerard Johnston. The cast includes Amy Donald, Jenna Davis, and Alison Williams. This was written by Akella Cooper, and the story is by the absolutely iconic James Wan. Um, so like first initial thoughts, did did you like it? <laughs> what did you think when you left the cinema? Yeah, I did really like it. Um, like oh, my kind of only criticism of it was that, and like Becca said the same, like, I think we were both hoping it would be a bit more violent, but with a PG-13 rating, that wasn't going to happen. But other than that, it did absolutely everything I needed it to do. I also love that, like, James Wan is totally in his, like, unhinged era between, like, this and Malignant. He is just, like, going fully out there now (laughs) his ideas for films. He just doesn't give a shit at all. (laughs) No, and it's it's working out great for him because we're getting some great films as a result. That's very true. I was not worried because I feel like I'm the... People don't don't get annoyed at me, listeners, for this because I really didn't like *Malignant*. I wanted to, and it just wasn't my kind of film. I know, I know, um, but I really, really like this. And they've already confirmed that there's going to be a Megan sequel. And obviously, we'll get we'll talk about it. But the ending definitely plays on like, oh, there can be a sequel to this. So hopefully, the next one does have a bit more violence because I agree. Like there were some bits where it was like quite gory like we'll, we'll get onto you know the, the ear pulling and everything like that like oh but it could have it could have been amped up a bit yeah I agree so we'll start off with the how the film starts sorry you can tell it's been a while since we've recorded I, I'm just talking shite <laughs> <laughs> Megan starts with a commercial for perpetual pets now when this first came up I was like what the fuck um, it's these like furry dolls that are made by a toy company called Funky. Um, they're advertised as being the perfect companion for kids, and they almost look like these demented Furbies. What did you think of this? Because when it started, I was like, "What? What the fuck?" I was thinking Furbies as well. Like it was giving me that vibe, but it, it's so interesting how with 
toys like we've never ever got away from that kind of like semi-sentient kind of like pet almost like I remember being kids and it was like furbies and like robo dogs and or you could have a tamagotchi and it would be like something that you had to keep alive and it's it's funny how that trend's like never gone away and like even for this film they make something that's so furby like as like the the end thing like this is the toy that all the kids want to have that's really true. I was just thinking there as well. I don't know if they made toy versions of it now, but I used to be obsessed with it when I was a kid. I used to love Moshi Monsters and it kind of reminded mm. me of that. But yeah, it's really weird because like you say, like it's something from our generation. Even before that, you know, you'd have like babies, like real life kind of style babies where they would like cry and piss and shite and all these things. I don't know why kids want toys like that, but you know, they're trying to make things as realistic as possible. So yeah, it's never really never really gone away and this shows how it can be maybe taken a bit too far as we talk Mm. about the movie so after this ad we see um james playing with one of her pets um which annoys her parents so there's ryan and nicole they're on their way to a ski trip i'm sorry but if i was on that road i'd be stopping like it just looks absolutely fucking horrific the roads are slippery and really hard to see she's just on her ipad being a typical kid of this generation, you know, wanting to play with her pet. She's not turning down the volume on it. Her mom's telling her to. Um, Ryan stops for a moment, and then all of a sudden the car is rammed into by a snowplow, which instantly kills the parents, and the kid's just left as an orphan. I mean, what what a way to start the film. I know. It was so shocking. I think they even mentioned it like, oh, we'll sit here so that the snowplow can like take the snow away. And then it's just like all of a sudden. And you should expect expect it, but you don't. And I remember like feeling really shocked. And yeah, it's a really like impactful way to start the film. One thing I will say though is I want to know how she survived because that was such an impact. I mean, for one survivor in that car, I know that's like a nitpicky thing, but I'm kind of like, how 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 did you come out with that? She's pretty much unscathed. She has a couple scratches, but that's about it. Yeah, these things do happen though. Like, you know, all the other people in the car can be like completely mangled like barely recognizable and then some one person in the car just leaves with a scratch like you hear about it all the time you know like a drunk driver causes an accident and everybody dies in a really horrible manner but the drunk driver is completely fine yeah that's actually yeah that's a fair point um so after this has happened we're introduced to nicole's sister which is Gemma, who's played by allison williams she works at the company that had the commercial at the start which is funky and she's developing a new robot doll with her co-workers which is tess and cole um however their boss david wants them to develop a cheaper version of the perpetual pets because there's a new rival company coming out with their own toys which is basically the same thing as the perpetual pets, but it's cheaper and they want them to make one for a lower manufacturing cost. Um, So we see at the start, like they're putting these silicone faces on and running tests. And I don't know about you, but I got creepy vibes at the start because like when they're trying to do the different faces on before it's Megan, you know, saying do confused, do angry. And then the face doesn't move. And it's almost this like snarky look that, the robot has on its face and I'm like oh no no I'd be burning it right away (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing about like AI and all the rest of it like it is scary and you kind of I feel like with Megan you kind of get into that like uncanny valley territory um like as we go later on in the film like she is very lifelike and so many people mistake her for a girl like just a human girl and she's not and uh, it's really, I've thought this for years and years, but I do find it quite scary the way like technology is going sometimes. And, you know, in this film, it's talking about like replacing robots for like human interaction. And that is terrifying, really. And the fact that they can make this robot do like so recognizable human emotions like on their face. It's like it's super impressive, but also like really scary with like where it could go. Yeah, it feels like something that could definitely be on like a Black Mirror episode, but it's not 
because I I watched this with my girlfriend and we were speaking about this for a while afterwards and like we're not far off this in reality and I mean if you look like even though it's not robots and it's because they're really old of me but I do the exact same fucking thing if you're traveling anywhere everyone's glued to their screens like I love technology but there is a point where well you know we see later on in the film where Megan is trying to replace replace a parent really and you just you can't you can't do that and I've always I don't know do you remember a couple years ago there was like a robot that was interviewed on this morning and they've been developing these robots that can interact and talk with you and I'm just like AI don't mess with stuff that's too smart like I can see AI taking over I don't know that's a bit conspiracy theorist but (laughs) I could just see something bad happening actually another thing as well what do you think of um Gemma and her like Alison Williams portrayal of her because a couple people have been saying like I really like her um and there's been I haven't seen any articles yet but there's been a couple people saying on Twitter that she could be coded as neurodivergent and possibly autistic and I actually I could definitely see that I don't know what did you think I could as well like there definitely seems to be that little bit of like not necessarily understanding social interactions um you know, you kind of get that thing where she sends her niece like a really expensive gift rather than like spending the time with her. And that's maybe because she doesn't understand that those are like important social occasions that she should be at. Um but I really liked the character of Gemma. Um definitely see the autistic coding. But it's also just like this person who doesn't want to be a mother or wasn't ready at that point to be a mother like thrust into this parental role and like I I felt like genuinely really sorry for her like a lot obviously I feel sorry for Katie as well but I feel sorry for her a lot because it's a lot to take on and just you know the click of your fingers like your whole life's changed now you have an eight-year-old um you have to take on all this responsibility our house is not cutted out kitted out for it her life is not kitted out for it um and I think she portrayed all of that upheaval in her life as an adult really really well yeah I completely agree I do feel really sorry for her because I mean she didn't ask for this at all um you know her life wasn't she hasn't built her life around having a family or at least that we know of and to have this responsibility on you all of a sudden it's a hell of a lot and we don't really get the chance to see how she deals with it emotionally we do get to see Katie a little bit later on but the start she doesn't she doesn't seem like she's mourning the loss but maybe she doesn't get the chance to mourn because I mean she's got this kid to take care of now yeah it's like here's like one massive horrible life thing that's happened to you and now here's a really like confusing and like life-altering life thing that's going to happen to you and like the film is interesting and in how both of them just don't deal with their grief and then when you know they kind of realize that they have each other and they that's when they finally start to deal with it um so yeah it's a really interesting film from that perspective as well I totally get that Megan gets a lot of the attention (laughs) she's a very (laughs) attention grabbing piece of uh, equipment but um, this story between Gemma and Katie is such a great story that they've put on screen Um, and I definitely think that Alison Williams deserves a bit of praise, applause for her performance because like I've seen Alison Williams in other things like she's a very to me anyway she's a very recognizable name but I really you lost Alison Williams and she really like fully Gemma in this yeah I completely agree I mean I really like her as an actress absolutely loved her in Get Out and I mean the perfection like we watched that and I absolutely loved it um but she definitely deserves a lot of praise for this I mean I know Megan's a big part of this but you're right there is a story there about you know an aunt and her niece and kind of when you're mentioning grief it's how they deal with it in different ways you know Katie goes very codependent and has a very codependent relationship with Megan, whereas Gemma throws herself into her work because that's all she knows. So it's looking at two not the healthiest ways of dealing with trauma and loss. Um, so as we move on from uh, this part of the film, so David comes in with his assistant, Kurt, 
And as we said, you know, he's basically chewing them all out because he wants a cheaper version of this perpetual pets. Gemma's trying to explain that she's been developing this robot, Megan, and it's meant to be so advanced that it can't be replicated. Um, but while she gives a demonstration, Cole realizes he forgot this. Um, now I'm trying to pronounce this. I can't, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pronounce it. Polypropylene barrier to Megan, and it causes her to explode. Um, so David's like, no, right, you need to make a new pitch for pets in like a week. Um, and this is when Gemma gets a call from the hospital. So this is when she learns about her sister's death, as we already mentioned, and she becomes Katie's new temporary legal guardian. And when they return home, poor Gemma has more shit to deal with because she has her neighbour, Celia, and their dog, Dewey, who keep running about on their lawn. What do you think about the neighbour? Because honestly, that that really pissed me off because she's complaining about like the pesticide she's using and Celia's just like, nay cares. Not the best a neighbour, eh? No, like Celia's actually really at border, and um, I think a lot of what happens to her, her and her dog. Like I can't believe I ever say this about a dog in a film, but what happens to her and her dog? They deserve it. Um, if your dog doesn't like people, like it should be, you know, you should keep it inside. You know, when there's a hole in the fence, you should fix it up. You know, there's the wee lassies playing in the garden and that and you know we see what happens later and it's like I couldn't have that on my conscience like I would be doing everything I could to keep other things away from my dog if my dog was like that and um yeah I just think she's really out of order we've got the Karen are we I are we a bit of a Karen I agree with you like I I love dogs but you know if you have a dog that's like that put put them have like a what they call like like a muzzle on it or something like that or mm. keep them inside if you know they're dangerous it's not fair absolutely yeah not. or if they have like triggers like because some like you don't know what some dogs have been through is or can be very triggered by things so if they're not good with other people like yeah have them on a muzzle like it's fine yeah exactly no <laughs> um so when they come into Gemma's house we also see that Gemma has an AI at home called Elsie, which is, it's giving Alexa vibes, isn't it? It's basically Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> um, And when she goes in, you know, Katie's obviously like looking at her collectibles and her toys, because obviously she makes toys. But now I relate to Gemma on this, because she's got everything in like its packaging and she's trying to explain, this is a collectible. We don't touch it. We don't open it. Again, that's quite a neurodivergent thing as well. And I was like, you know what? You've probably spent a lot of money on that hen. Fair play. Don't fucking open it. I know. I think people look at collectibles as being a bit weird. I'm not a collector myself, but I know other people do it. It's like, it's your money, and if you enjoy doing it, then why not? Like, let people enjoy things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So after this, um, Katie asked Gemma to read her a bedtime story. So she's put her to bed, and she's like, have you got everything you need? You can tell it's like, a little bit awkward Gemma definitely doesn't know how to be a parent which I mean it's fair she's she's never been one um and it's just that you can see how reliant Gemma is on technology as well because she's like oh I don't have any books let me use an app to read you a story and it's definitely you can feel there's like a distance between them can't you yeah they live like very different lives like you know Katie's mum was like oh, we need to have a conversation about screen time, whereas, like you say, Gemma's whole house is hooked up to her Elsie. You know, Elsie turned on the lights, Elsie turned on the heating, um, which is very far away for some people. Like, I know that it's possible to do that, but it's just not something for me in my wheelhouse um, doing something like that. But it just shows you how different some people's lives are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. So after this, Gemma and Katie are visited by Lydia, a therapist. And basically she's there just to observe the interactions between them and how they kind of bond together. Um, and again, this is quite interesting as well because um, Lydia said, oh, do you have any toys? And then Katie says right out the bat, oh, there is toys, but these are collectibles and we can't use them. So Gemma's like, oh shit, the therapist is here. I've got to show them I'm not a complete cunt and I can actually, you know, be a guardian is opening up the toy out of this box so you could see the pain in her eyes. I was and- so annoyed on her behalf for this because it's like, there's persons judging her and like we don't get a time frame for this either. So this could be like the next day. 
And it's like, of course, she's not going to have toys in the house for Katie because she's not been there for very long. And we don't know what the situation at Katie's parents' house is and, you know, getting the stuff from that house to Gemma's house. Of course, she's not going to have a house fully kitted out for the kids. Do you know what I mean? And it annoys me that the person was judging her for having collectibles as well. And um, yeah, I was just like, I was really annoyed. I do feel like sometimes... I know these institutions are important, but there's this like state mandated person coming over to be like, I need to see if you're a fit parent. And because she's not immediately ready to have this eight-year-old child in her house, like somehow Gemma's a bad person. It's like, sorry, like a really tragic thing happened. And these two people are just trying to get through it. Like they don't need this. No, exactly. I that therapist felt so judgy, like silently mm. judging her. And it's like, how would you deal with this situation? Try and put yourself in Gemma's shoes for five seconds. Exactly. And then um, they take out this toy, which looks like a ball. And, um, you know, Kate's trying to pass it over to Gemma. And this was quite interesting because Gemma's like, that's not how it's supposed to be played with. It's supposed to be played with this way. And again, that's kind of like a neurodivergent thing I was picking up on a little bit. Because she's like, no, you can't this is how you're supposed to do it. Um, But I mean, fair play to her because like if somebody, if I had to open up a really expensive toy and then this kid's trying to play with it, they're not playing with it properly. I'd be like, excuse me, that's not how it's supposed to be used. Yeah. It's kind of that way as well. Like passing a ball to and from with an eight year old, like if she was maybe like one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure Katie's a bit like smarter to be able to do that as well. But then again, it just comes across like Gemma's trying to be controlling or something. It's like, she's actually not, I don't know, maybe it's just the neurodivergent to me. It's like, she's not being controlled. She's trying to tell you how to do it properly. Exactly. No, I get you. I get you. I understand. <laughs> um, so Lydia tells Gemma that Ryan's parents, the grandparents of Katie, have offered to take custody so that she can live with them in Jacksonville. But Gemma isn't really comfortable with this. So in the meantime, she's still staying with her. Um. So after this as well, with the therapy session, um, you know, Gemma says that, and fair enough, because in America, you can never get any fucking time off work. She's just had time off work, work for a tragedy, but she has to go back. That's corporate life for you. Um, So she's having to do some work after hours and she realizes that she's left her alone. She feels really bad with this and tries to bond with her. Um, And this is kind of like quite a sweet bit where they have like a moment of connection where... Gemma shows her the robot that she made at college called Bruce, which she uses to control, controls using gloves. Um, Katie mentions that she loves Bruce and that like if she had a toy like Bruce, she wouldn't need another toy ever again. So this inspires Gemma to finish Megan because she thinks, okay, there is something here. There's something in the market here. And it inspires her to just start from scratch all over again. Yeah, I love seeing Bruce. And it was as well like... Gemma getting to reflect on a lot of the work she's done like going from Bruce who's this like big hulking robot to you know we see the perpetual pets and then Megan we can see that she's come on a massive journey with her robotics from university to being a career woman Um, so it was interesting to see how she's always had like a talent for this and how her skills have come along and you know how passionate she is for it like this isn't just a whim for her like it's not just a job like this is her life Uh, and it was really nice to kind of see her bring Katie like into that a little bit um we bonded moment for them um because we've not really seen them do that yet in this film it's been obviously given what's happened it's just been very difficult for them yeah exactly um so after this doing extensive work and upgrades Gemma brings Katie and Megan to work to show to David and the others she's supposed to be doing a presentation about this new cheaper perpetual pets but she comes in and shows them Megan um and this is the first chance we get to see Megan no pun intended but like in the flesh in the silicone flesh Mm. um what did you think of this? Because like I was trying to stop myself thinking of the memes because I remember when I first saw the trailer and everyone says, oh, it's like another Olsen twin and I still can't get that out of my fucking head. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. 
um it's just amazing though isn't it just yeah. seeing this thing like walking and talking and um like hi i'm megan and uh what's that they do are they coloring in pictures or something yeah yeah and she just they're coloring in pictures together and it's so weird because she's so lifelike like i said it's just very much in that like uncanny valley territory um but then you see the pound signs or the dollar signs rather in david's eyes and you're just like oh this this is going to be something um and also very curious you know we've all seen the trailers and stuff and you're just like i wonder how we get from here to murderous robot <laughs> yeah um and it's quite interesting the way that um like megan works so um Gemma shows like she puts um katie's fingers on her hand so that means that she's her primary user and she's connected with her and she'll learn about her and like remember things and it's just like it's it's like chucky but advanced it's chucky in 2023 really isn't it mm. have you seen them two have a, like a bit of a, a beef on twitter oh my god no <laughs> i need to see that <laughs> Yeah, like the Chucky Twitter is just like the I'm the original, I'm the OG, and uh, Megan's just like okay, boomer, and they're just having <laughs> like little quips like that back and forth. It's quite funny. I love that. Uh, so as you kind of already mentioned as well, uh, Megan draws this like perfect portrait of Katie, and um, David's so impressed by this, and as you say, he sees dollar signs, and he's like, okay, let's distribute this get it to development and get it to the directors. Um, but Gemma sits with Tess and Cole, and kind of like we mentioned before, um, you know, Tess is kind of saying that a doll can't replace parents. Um, and then Megan hears this um, and is asking about death. Um, and then this is kind of where creepy vibes come in. So Gemma makes herself the secondary user to be able to turn, turn Megan off. But... It's an innate curiosity that an AI is going to have, but it's an interesting concept because, I mean, they haven't programmed Megan to speak about things with kids like death and loss and all these other things. Um, and there's an interesting conversation later in the film as well with Lydia, the therapist, where she's talking about, um, you know, the codependency between Megan and Katie as well. Um, would you agree with what Tess is saying? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty valid. You know, an AI can't replace a parent. Yeah, like when they kind of have the the montage while Gemma's speaking of like all the things that Megan is capable of doing and, you know, we see Megan putting Katie to bed and reading her bedtime story and stuff like that. Like I was getting like super sketch vibes because it's like anyone can just pop out a kid then and then just have this robot to look after it. But that, you know, yeah, that's all like your your basic needs and stuff but I mean you should have have a child because you want to have a child and you want to raise said child and you know watch them develop and grow and you know all these things that I don't want to do because I don't want to have children but um yeah I was just like watching it I was just like well anyone could have their kid and then just abandon it on this robot and you know you hear so many stories about folk you know, actually, particularly rich people who their parents just abandon them in a boarding school and they feel abandoned and, you know, they're put in the hands of these caregivers, but they're not mum and dad and that's that's who they want. Um, so, yeah, it was giving me really sketch vibes and then it was making me think again because Gemma is not someone who's ever thought about motherhood in her life. I don't think she understands that this is not appropriate because maybe for her she's like oh well it'd actually be really handy if someone took all this responsibility off my hand because I'm not cut out for it do you know what I mean yeah exactly uh so the next day as well this is the bit we were talking about with the dog and Celia and we've kind of already alluded that they deserved it you know what savage as it is you're fucking right they deserve it um so the next day katie's playing outside with a toy bow and arrow and one of them ends up on celia's side of the fence when megan goes to try and retrieve it dewey the dog grabs her by the arm and the hair katie's obviously trying to pull her away and get megan out and dewey ends up biting katie on the arm so Gemma gets the police involved and as per police aren't really useful in this situation um and celia's just fucking screaming at her um and doesn't want to punish the dog for hurting Katie, and the police don't don't do anything about it. So later that night, 
Megan ends up mimicking Celia's voice to call out to the dog before violently pulling him through a hole in the fence. I'm like, oh, Megan's pissed. Megan is pissed. (laughs) Yeah, like, I remember, like, watching, well, it's, like, slightly after, no, no, it's right after the the bite, and Celia's just like, well, you fixed a hole in the fence, and I'm just like, no, like, your dog is like that. There's a hole in the fence, there's little kids who'll just put their arm through a hole because that's what little kids do I'm sorry it's your responsibility because there, I feel like there is just cause for having that dog put down and I would feel terrible if my dog got put down and it was something that I could have done to prevent it and but she doesn't care everything's Gemma's fault and I'm just like you you deserve that you deserve that to happen to your dog um I love when Megan like stands up and her hair's all dishevelled. Obviously, it will be after being flung about by a dog and she's just looking over the fence <laughs> so angrily. Like, I think that was the first point that I was just pissing myself laughing. <laughs> she was just glaring with her hair all over the place. Like, what the fuck did you just do? It's um, the fucking death stare and you're like, oh, shit. And she's just so, like, dead behind the eyes, obviously, because she's not like a living person it's just this death stare with the dead eyes like so funny the the next day after this um Gemma asked Kate if she's still gay to go to the demonstration with the board of directors um so this is quite interesting as well um during the presentation Katie breaks down in tears because she misses her parents and this is the first time we really see her have emotions about her parents because I've been thinking up until this point you've literally been orphaned and we haven't really seen you cry or like show any feelings about it just before that part though like I was really annoyed at Gemma because she she doesn't just say like oh are you okay to do this and Katie agrees like, no that's true are in it. she's like a lot of people have traveled a really long way and I was sitting at the I was like like I was so annoyed at her I'm like you can't do that to a child that's so much responsibility to put on her and she was just attacked by a dog yesterday and her parents like died two weeks ago like what's wrong with you it's very no that's true though it's very manipulative so you don't have to do it but really you kind of have to do it yeah exactly but yes uh, this is the first time we at like KD has an emotional release like grief's a funny thing some folk bottle stuff up for years and then it eventually all comes out uh and bless her this happens to her i don't know if she realizes it's a two-way mother but it happens to her in front of all these adults and uh i, I just feel heart sorry for her and i, I was a bit crying <laughs> oh. talking about her parents it was really sad and then you can see Gemma getting upset as well and you're just like oh my god it's put me lassie. I know. Um, and Megan, the like this bit, this bit did actually get get me in the heart as well. because uh, he said she's mentioned her parents, and Megan asks her to discuss a memory of her mum that made her laugh. Megan records it so that she can hear it back if she wants to think about her mum. And then Megan starts singing a lullaby. Um, and the president, everybody's crying, and they're like, you know what, we'll launch this. But this is the first time we hear musical Megan. What do you think of this musical bit? We have this really emotional scene, this poor lassie, and then Megan records it, and it's really sweet and all the rest of it. And then she starts singing, and this is another point. I was just like, look, I looked at my sister, I was like, why is this bitch singing? Like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> she does that again later on as well. Like, why is she singing? It was really weird. And um, it, it was unnerving, to be honest. It was really unnerving. I it is. find it sweet. It like it threw me off and made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I am not comfortable in this moment. <laughs> no, no, the musical. Um. So Gemma starts to see that Kate is becoming too dependent on Megan and listens to her more than listens to the doll more than her. Um. During a session with Lydia, Katie tears up and Megan threateningly accuses Lydia of making Katie cry. And this is where she gets very possessive and she's like, I am not letting anybody harm her. I'm not going to let any harm come to her. And it's this like death glare. Um, So Lydia talks to Gemma about how Katie's emotional connection to Megan is probably now too strong to break. Um, 
And then, I don't know if it's this bit, but we need to talk about it. But the fucking on the musical side of things. Um, this is also really weird as well, because Megan, when she charges, she sits on this little seat. It's right next to Katie's bed. Like, that's just creepy. I could not sleep with this fucking doll next to me every single night. I know, just sitting watching me. Like, no. Because the next lullaby she sings is fucking Titanium. (laughs) What was that? I thought I was in Pitch Perfect or something. (laughs) I know. I saw a tweet earlier, actually, that said, let Megan sing Titanium at the Grammys. Try and laughing all over again because it's again like I couldn't sleep after someone done that. No. I, kind of, I can't even remember why Katie wakes up and they're having the conversation. Um, but then Megan makes her feel better, kind of just like calms her down a bit, and then starts singing Titanium. And I'm just, I was sitting at the cinema like I couldn't go to sleep after that because again, it made me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, why is she singing again? It's so unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> it's unnecessary and I don't like it. Like, why is the scariest part of the film for me this dull singing? Like <laughs> Um so the next bit Gemma brings Katie to an outdoor activity session for an alternative school to ease her into the idea of going back to school around real kids. Because at this point, um, she's been homeschooled since her parents passed away and she wants to continue being homeschooled she's like I learned better with Megan but Gemma fair enough says look you're not getting the social interaction with kids here's another option now this kid Brandon what a wee fucking cunt he deserved everything that came to him and more it's when his mum's like oh my my wee boys a wee sweetheart and then he's just like fuck off Molly <laughs> I know um so they end up going on this like scavenger hunt and Katie grab oh yeah Katie ends up grabbing this like spiky it looks like a conquer or something like that this Brandon kid a fucking serial killer in the making squeezes her palm with this spiky thing in it to make her hurt and then lo and behold Megan is behind and it's just the look and you're like oh shit's about to happen um Brandon grabs her because he's trying to get Megan to speak. And Katie's saying that she's only paired to me. She's not going to speak for you. And he he's, he's such a wee savage. Like, he pulls her. He slaps her. And I think you're, you know something's going to happen. You know something's going to happen. I didn't expect what happens because Megan ends up, like, ripping his fucking ear off. The more she was just, like, fucking pulling it and pulling it. And it was, like, transparent and, like... Oh, like, everything in my body went completely tense, just like, oh my god, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, I was wondering if she was going to let it go, but no, she just ripped the thing clean right off. But, uh, do you know what, she's done the world a favour, because if he was doing that to her, right, he was probably going to grow up and do that to some lassie. I already. So, she's done the world a favour. <laughs> she has. She definitely has. Um. Brandon ends up running and Megan chases him and this is where she starts running on all fours. That was fucking terrifying. So creepy. Like running like a dog like right at him. Oh my god. I would have been screaming as well. I would have been god I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I'd be like take me now. I know know what's gonna happen. (laughs) Oh I know. It's that way in horror films sometimes like folk go out of their way to save themselves and I'd just be like I'm gonna play your little game just kill me. Exactly. I, I I know. I know. Um. So during this chase, he ends up falling over, tumbling down a hill, and is ended up ends up getting killed by a truck. Mm. Absolutely savage. Again, another car related death. Um. The police end up questioning Gemma at her house because Celia is accusing her of taking Dewey the dog, and this is where she goes fucking psycho because she's banging on her window, being like, "You killed my dog. I'm gonna get you." And it's like, oh no. To be fair, like if I was Celia, for starters, my dog wouldn't be biting people. But anyway, no. <laughs> if my dog went missing and I knew my neighbour had a problem with my dog, I'd probably have done the same. You took yeah. my baby boy. Where's my boy? Where's the bear? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Celia is on the streets looking for him, and then she hears noises coming from the garage and is met by Megan, um, who sprays her 
against the wall with a power washer. She then fires a nail gun in her hand and traps her before, before spraying pesticides in her face, which makes it melt off, which is like a little ironic because of the pesticides that came down the road. But I was like, you're just, you're a wee masochist. Like, Megan knows how to kill in, like, really sadistic ways. Yeah, like, she's not just, like, taking out these threats, like, bullet to the head. Like, she's making them suffer. Exactly. And then Gemma starts getting really sus about this as well. So she's trying to review the video files of the day that Brandon died and they're actually ended up being corrupted. And she only sees a brief clip of Megan, like I and Brandon, like very menacingly. Um, but still plans to go ahead with this session because they, they're preparing to have the launch of Megan to make it go live, live to the world. Um Gemma ends up bringing Katie to the official launch for Megan, but stops at a session with Lydia, the therapist, first. Katie does not want to do this at all. She throws a tantrum because Gemma ends up taking Megan away. She puts her in, like, oh, what is it? Not styrofoam, but she wraps her up in, like, cling film. Looks really fucking creepy. Um, And leads to Katie actually, like, slapping Gemma across the face. Yeah, does she not, like, the like, the driver's as well like mm-hmm. while she's driving I never watched that like whoa like she could have caused an accident but I mean this is how deep the connection is and you know if you're a wee lassie and someone like took that person away from you like you are gonna freak out and freak out she does and it just kind of shows you how much like control like Megan has over her as well like she'll do whatever Megan says but it's also that kind of control she has over her like emotional well-being as well to the point where she is just going to go absolutely crazy when she's not around and that's level of codependency is really terrifying as well and I think that's what like Tess was trying to warn her about like at the start but Gemma just like didn't understand no not at all and at the same time as well um as this is going on we see the the launch like the prep for the launch and David's losing his absolute shit because there's too small of a turnout so like he's you know having a go at poor Kurt the assistant you know throwing kissy fits at him um, meanwhile Tess and Cole are trying to get into Megan's programming um, and this is where Megan again starts getting very violent um, Megan ends up wrapping a wire around Cole's neck in an attempt to hang him Tess frees him but Megan sets off an explosion that destroys her files um, and then she ends up finding David in the hallway. And this is where we get the little, the dance dance. <laughs> the infamous dance dance from the trailer. I was waiting for this. <laughs> it's so good in context as well. The way she just like grabs the knife from the, the guillotine and just goes after David as well. Because like, he's so stupid. Like the way he's, you know, Capitalism's the real villain in this. Yes. The way he's like forcing Gemma to like pump out all this stuff so quickly while she's grieving, while she's trying to look after a grieving child. It's like have a bit of sensitivity. I mean, could they not have just been like, do you know what? We'll just market this whole thing around Christmas, you know, we'll make that the deadline. Take as much take as much time as you need within reason and we'll try and get this out for Christmas. But he had to have it out within two weeks, didn't he? And so she never had enough time to test everything. So now you've got a murderous doll that does sick dance moves in the hallway before she kills you. Exactly. Like, I can't even say it any better than that. <laughs> uh, so after she kills him, um, like, as he's just trying to make it to the elevator, Poor Kurt is witnessing this whole thing. Um, Poor Kurt, nothing. He tried to sell the files to a different company. He's not Cole. Oh, no, not Kurt. It was Cole, wasn't it? No, it was Kurt. Yeah. No, I was going to say, poor Kurt's done nothing. He's the assistant. He's just getting drinks for David. No, he like took all the files for Megan and he was like, oh, I'm going to sell the files. Why did I think that was Cole? All right, he deserves it then. Okay, fuck, (laughs) fuck, fuck Kurt. (laughs) He's a bit sneak at all. Well, he is. And I mean, Kurt ends up getting stabbed as well because Megan ends up making him stab himself in the throat. So, you know what? He gets his comeuppance as well. (laughs) Um, And the poor crowd for the lunch ends up finding the bodies and obviously screaming, chaos is happening. So it allows Megan to sneak out and steal a car because apparently Megan can drive as well on top of everything else. 
Why not? I know. Um, <laughs> so as Gemma's putting Katie to bed before, well, before she's putting her to bed, we can hear Megan playing the piano downstairs. Again, musical queen. I want a Megan musical. Let Megan play at the Grammys. <laughs> um, Megan confronts Gemma about how she felt that they had a real relationship during her development, only for her to be left her own devices um, you know, to be left with Katie and to take care of her. So you kind of understand Megan's point of view, even though she's an AI, you can kind of understand she's just been kind of left to to basically be a parent. Um, she offers to take over the guardianship of Katie so that Megan can focus on her work. She's like, I know this is what really makes you happy. Um, but Megan still plans to shut her down. And this is quite funny as well because they're trying to have a fight, but Katie is like kind of opening the door. And she's like, I can hear something. And they're like, no, it's fine. I'm like, open the fucking door. And she does know. No, she's just that like a wee bit too young, I think, to fully understand what was happening. Like, I think she kind of knew that things weren't fully okay, but maybe just didn't know what to do about it. But then we see later that she comes through, bless her. But yeah, it was so, I'm like, I'm saying it's so frustrating, but I'm like, what could she have done? Because Megan was going to kill her auntie. And I, don't think that we lassie needs any more trauma. No, exactly. She's <laughs> been through enough. Let her let, let, let her have a peaceful life for a yeah. little bit, at least. <laughs> Just for a bit. Not sure it's 13 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's a hell of a lot of trauma then. Um, yeah. And then we have this like really good showdown between them. Um, so Gemma runs into the office. Megan catches her there and threatens to make Gemma brain dead so that Katie won't live with her grandparents. And Megan can just care for her and they'll be together forever. Um, Megan Gemma ends up cutting Megan's knife with a weed whacker, but Katie comes in and Megan tries to get Katie on her side. Um, but Katie, being the fucking badass that she is, ends up grabbing the gloves from Bruce and activates him, and it's bloody throwing Megan around like bloody like a puppet. I had completely forgot about Bruce. So when she was like, "You might not know that we have this other family member," and they shut the gloves on, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot and I was like this is great and it like it is like Katie saves the day she really does and just when you think that Megan is dead she's not dead because I mean she's been ripped in half but the top half is still fucking going clawing to get to her um but Katie remembers that when she was speaking to Gemma about like Bruce and like where the brain essentially where the brain is so like the core but if the AI, like, that's how you would deactivate it, she takes a screwdriver and stabs the central processing chip, which kills Megan for good, um, which was quite smart. It was a nice wee nod. And we're com- coming to the end of the film. So as Gemma and Katie go outside, the police are arriving with Tess and Cole. Elsie, the device in the kitchen, turns on and moves its head. So now you're thinking, oh, Megan's transferred herself to something else. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, a part of me was like, no, like, but I know there's going to be a sequel, so they kind of need to do it somehow. But all oh, these poor girls, they don't need it. They don't need anything else. Leave them alone, Megan. <laughs> but I like, I actually quite like that in because even though it is sequel baby, it's not OTT. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, like, even if we didn't know there was going to be a sequel, that is a nice ending to kind of make us think like oh it's not over because obviously in earlier in the film when she's all tied up she's not even connected to anything she manages to make a phone call from Tessie's phone to Gemma's phone so she's definitely a lot more advanced than I think Gemma or any of her colleagues fully understand that she is so it was a nice it was a nice wee nod to let us know that she's not she's not completely gone she's not fully away no you'll never get rid of her really um well, that's that's the end of the film. Um, is there anything that I haven't mentioned that you want to talk about? I don't. I don't know why I just started thinking about singing again. <laughs> <laughs> Titania. <laughs> I don't know why she does that, but hey ho, we love a songstress. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, it's actually quite interesting because, like, in terms of the budget for this, so I, I thought I'd have had a bigger budget than this, but I mean, it is a Blumhouse film as well. At a $12 million budget, and obviously the box office, because it's only been out for a couple of weeks and it's still in the cinema. Um, so this box office will change, but as of the 27th of January, it's at $146 million, So it's 
absolutely smashed at the box office and they were projecting that it was going to make about 20 to 30 so it's been um like a massive success so far i think it's such an in like this film is so interesting in terms of when they really sit because normally like horror films first week in january this is a studio is just trying to get them out they don't have any faith in them it kind of sounds similar with this if they were projecting just 20 million they maybe thought no one's going to see this everybody has gone to see this and it's really a testament to viral um and guerrilla marketing as well they had like little megans just pop up in random places similar with smile that came out last year they would have people in audiences of like good morning america just doing the creepy smile and people went out to see it because they're just like i want to know what the hell this this film's all about so it's really testament to like believe in your films a bit more put more money into quality original horror and put more money behind guerrilla marketing as well because we're really seeing people respond to it really well and I think Megan has just been this massive success and I hope films should just kind of change up what they're doing with horror in January because it doesn't need to be a place where horror films go to die because Megan's thriving and she's already got a sequel signed off like that's crazy it is and I totally agree with you on guerrilla marketing as well because they're you know in the early 2000s that was such a big thing even for smaller horror films coming out there was little niches and like I remember for the Saw films as well like lots of things that they do in like London and like in the States and there'd be like actors and there'd be like all these gimmicks going on and we haven't really seen that in the past couple of years it's been like in terms of marketing for horror movies it's been quite humble I would say I don't know if humble is the right word but you know not really making a massive song and dance besides like on Twitter um so it's really nice to see and it's obviously worked yeah in terms of uh box office this was quite interesting actually because I think this is criminal because I mean we can already tell that I love this movie and I know you do too but IMBD gave Megan a 6.5 out of 10 which I thought was a bit harsh and then with the Rotten Tomatoes as well Funnily enough, for once, I agree with the critics. They gave it a 94%, but the audience gave it 78. Um, and then Metacritic gave it 72. So all in all, it's kind of on that kind of seven, seven-ish. But I mean, in my opinion, I think it's I think it deserves more than that. But we'll get on to our ratings. So what are you gonna give Megan out of 10? Uh I'm gonna give Megan an eight out of ten. I've really enjoyed it. I think it's a really well-crafted story. I think Megan is an excellent villain uh, to take us through the 2020s. Really excited to see what else they do with her. I do wish the film had been a bit more violent. I do believe there is a, a more aged-up cut where there is more violence. Maybe we'll get to see that in like a special DVD release later on in the year. But um, yeah, 8 out of 10. Yeah, I can't complain with that at all. I'm going to give Megan a 9 out of 10. I really like this. I th- Like you said as well, we need to invest more in original horror, not just reboots and remakes and people believing in horror. And like I know we've said like Art the Cloud is kind of like the new modern horror icon. You could definitely see that for the love of horror con as well, all the merch, and there was so much love for art. I feel like Megan is going to be another equivalent of Art the Clown for the 2020s, like a really iconic horror character, which we haven't really had in like the past decade. You know, we've been really struggling for new horror villains, especially female ones as well. Um, So I think a massive welcome to the horror genre. I thought it was a really strong film. I do agree that it could have been more violent, but overall, like I just had a lot of fun with this movie. It was a really fun film and there's not anything that I could particularly like critique on it. Um, not a perfect movie because I'm not, I'm trying not to give out too many tens, especially in 2023. That's my new thing. I'll be more picky with my tens. Uh, but yeah, a solid, a solid nine out of 10. In terms of next week, we are going to be speaking about staycation vibes. Um, And our next movie on the list is The Lodge, which is your movie. Yeah, a little 2019 horror that I think might have passed most people by. But um, 
yeah, it stars Riley Keough, and I'm really excited to talk about it and maybe introduce it to some people. Um, a little stay in a lodge gone wrong. So <laughs> we'll get more into it next week. I've never seen. I've never seen this movie. I literally know nothing about it. I'm going in completely blind. So I'm excited to see what it's like. Uh, so where can people find you on the socials, Lindsay? I am at Lindsay underscore on all social media. You can find me Lulu underscore Pew on all the socials. If you want to follow the podcast, it's GoFriendPod on Twitter and GoFriends underscore podcast on Instagram. And like we said at the start, even though this is coming out in February, I hope you all had a great January and look forward to 2023 for GoFriends because there's a lot of, lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, but until next time, stay spooky.